this week on the show. Today on the show, we have Tarl and Grace Yarborough from Fixated Real Estate. This is Steve Rosenberg, and I am the host of the Landlord Survival Show. This is the Landlord Survival Show. When people stop being nice and shit gets real. You're the landlord. We're here to help. This is the show for what the gurus don't tell you about owning rentals. We're here for you because we're stronger together. Brought to you by Empire Industries Property Management. Built for investors by investors. For more information about this show, please visit our website, selfmanagemyproperty.com, home of the ultimate Landlord Survival Handbook. Now, the Landlord Survival Show with your host, Steve Rosenberg. Hey everyone, this is Steve Rosenberg with the Landlord Survival Show. I want to thank everyone for coming. I believe this is episode number 12 and uh, the show has been doing great. We are on iTunes. We've got podcast downloads and Podbean on Google and all that stuff. Um, You know, the whole reason we created this show, very simply, is we are trying to create a new environment for the investor. I am tired of hearing investors like me that have gotten their asses kicked buying properties, lied to, ripped off, all those things. And at the end of the day, these problems, we can't blame on anyone but ourselves. And and I think the reason is, is, you know, when I was buying my properties and I was buying all the wrong properties, and, and I always caution to say that they were the wrong properties because they were just wrong for me. And they were wrong for me because I didn't have the right business model wrapped around those properties. And so because of that, I sucked at it. And I learned my lessons of what I'm good at, and I definitely learned what I was bad at. And what I was bad at is buying bad properties, trying to think I could make them better. And, you know, a lot of people get into this business thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm Superman and I can fix things and, you know, I can, I can buy a property and I can fix it up and I can make a, you know, a gazillion dollars. And they get from go, they buy the wrong property, they price it wrong, they do all the things wrong. And the next thing you know, they are just stuck with this piece of crap house, they can't get rid of it, it's bleeding them to death, they're fighting with their wife, they're kicking their dog, their kids hate them because they're always running around to Home Depot and they're going, real estate sucks. And you know, I think that real estate is a great tool, it's a great strategy. And what's interesting is I I learned a lot about different strategies from my guest today because I spoke at his event last year in Seattle a good, good friend of mine and his wife. And we talked about the different strategies to the goal. And I re- never really thought about that. And and I've thought a lot about when you own a property or you're flipping properties and you're doing this and you're doing that, I used to not even think, well, that's not really the goal. That's just the strategy. And as we had that conversation, we started talking, I realized that, okay, the strategy is buy and hold. The strategy is flipping. The strategy is note selling. The goal is wealth. At some level, we want to do this so that we can say, have FU money and we can have enough money to retire and live how we want to live. And we want to do what we want to do and have that safety and security for our lives and doing all these different ways or strategies. And I remember when I was talking with Tarl and I was getting my presentation together and he said to me, well, these are all strategies let's talk about the goal. And I thought, man, that, that is deep. And and I've thought about that. And and I've got my good friend, Gabe Rodarte here again from last week. He's back again. Uh, didn't get enough last week when we talked about (laughs) his mess ups down here in Houston. And, uh, so we've created this website, selfmanagemyproperty.com. That website 
is here for investors, okay? And the reason I created that is I'm tired of seeing investors buy properties, they wanna become a landlord, and they get their ass kicked because they don't know what a fair housing law is, they don't know what the seven protected classes are, they don't know Texas property code, they don't know what a make ready even means because they think they wanna build the house the way they would live in it. Again, they don't know all these things, and if you don't know them, is it? it's, it's your own fault, right? Because this is a business, and you have to know the business model that you're in. And I think one of the biggest challenges we all have is there's no one there to teach us what is this business model. We get all the lessons on how to buy deals. We know the, the, the fun, the fancy flipping and all these other things. What no one tells us is the, when the rubber meets the road of how you run the business after you buy it. And <laughs> no one really thinks about that, you know? And, and I think that's a huge, huge mistake. Maybe because it's not sexy. Maybe because that's the reality that they say, hey, you know what? You're going to have tenants, you know, cheat, lie, steal. You're going to have vendors rip you off if you allow that to happen. I think it happens if you allow it to happen. If you choose not to and you run a business, it's not going to happen. And so... You know, we have a manual that we created, the Ultimate Landlord Survival Handbook that we have. We sell it on our website. You know what? If if you can't spend a couple hundred bucks and you'd rather go ahead and lose several thousand dollars, then you know what? More power to you. Good luck in investing. Um, we also have a Facebook group, Landlord Survival Group. The only thing I ask is that you invite other like-minded people to the Facebook group and you download our podcast and share it. That's all I ask. Other than that, I don't care what you do. You want my help, you call me. I will give you as much time as you need to help you be successful. But you got to do what I ask. And that is my one simple request. So I don't even know how to explain my friends here. So I have Tarl and Grace, good, good, old. I say old friends now because we've actually known you guys for quite a while. Um, and I have my good friend Gabe. And uh, Gabe, we're going to bring you in after we talk with, with yeah. Grace and Tarl. So, guys, I, you guys are up in Seattle. You have fixated real estate. You guys are like the, the mega stars up there in the, the world of real estate. So tell everyone kind of about you. Then we'll talk about how we met. Um, but, but tell everyone kind of who you are, what you do, so that everyone knows that you guys are, you guys are grinders like anybody. Uh, I don't know where to start. I mean... The, we run fixated real estate up here in Seattle, Washington, and uh, my wife and I, uh, Grace, we've been doing this for a few years together, um, and we've adapted and changed over the years. We started out in fix and flip, and we literally migrated from there to kind of what you do a bit with the rentals. I hear you uh, kind of help people with that in some capacity. And so <laughs> lately, we've been running a lot of rentals up here uh, using what's called the Burr strategy, buy it, rehab it, rent it, refinance it. And we also run a large events company up here for uh, the Pacific Northwest as well for real estate investors. Uh, we average anywhere between uh, 35, 40 properties a year. And we that's just from the ones that we take down ourselves. Uh, and we keep ramping that up every single year or getting better and better, better at it all the time. Uh, the event that you went to, Steve, we had 651 people at it. Uh, and that it's funny how like you're not the first person I've talked to wow. since that event this year. Uh, we all reference it as last year, even though it's still That's true. It was, the, yeah, it was just a couple months ago, actually, right? It feels like it was yeah. last year, but yeah, it was just a couple months ago. But you did speak at two of them. I did. last year's event in 2017, we had 510 there, and so you spoke at that one. But yeah. uh, And then Grace and I, we run our events company that also still does a monthly meetup that we have about 175 to 200 investors show up to every single month. Uh, and we're just having fun right now. So Grace runs our property management. Uh, you taught her a thing or two, which is great. Yep. 
Grace is a yeah. rock star. Yeah, thank you, Stephen. I really admire your Facebook group, Landlord Survival Group. I would highly encourage anyone to join in. If even if you know that you know a lot, there's so much to learn, so much to share, different strategies for landlords. Look, I think once we think we know a lot, that's when we get our ass kicked, right? I mean, when right. I mean, really, right? When we think we know too much, when we cut a corner and we go, mm. you know, I don't really need to do this or do that. That's that's when we get smacked in the face, and you go, okay, now I got to get back online and. So just to put things Absolutely. into perspective, though, for you guys, when you say you do 35 to 40 deals a month, for the people in Houston, oh, I'm sorry, a year, a year. But yeah. for the people in Houston, there's a bit of a price disparagement discrepancy between Houston and Seattle. So you guys really put it on the line a lot more than most average people, especially here in Texas. So what are the price points of the properties that you're dealing with there? And also, what is entailed? Because... What you guys do and what we do here in Houston are in, in Texas in general are a lot different and a lot more different involved. So let's break that down. Uh, this is a good question. So the just to answer the simple number on the price point, uh, everything. I mean, just like I'm sure there's Houston where you have prices uh, in certain at certain, certain neighborhoods that you have your upper class neighborhoods and then you have your lower class neighborhoods. And the further right. maybe you go out from the Houston circles or whatever you guys call them. Uh, the you might have cheaper homes. For us, if we're in the core areas of Seattle, we can easily spend on a practical tear down a home, uh, six, seven, eight hundred thousand uh, dollars. And for a single family, eight hundred square foot home, or wow. uh, you should tear down. But the land's more valuable, so and you can right. build on it or something. Yeah. Uh, but we can also go down to Tacoma, uh, which is about 35, 40 minutes south of Seattle and spend still $150,000 on a house that looks like it's going to fall over. And so there's a big disparaging in prices just within a 35, 40 minute radius of Seattle. They also have in our area, it's called an area called Bellevue where Microsoft uh, is based out of. And that area, same thing. You could buy a 1970s uh, rancher there uh, for $750,000, $800,000 and it's not updated. But if you update it, it's 1.5, 1.6 or uh, That's in crazy. Goodness, Seattle, crazy. you can have properties that are fully updated and renovated from 1.2 to 2.3 million. It just depends on where you're at uh, in that area. Uh, for our properties, we buy all over. So we don't just buy in Seattle. We also buy in Tacoma. We like our, it's kind of hard on a single family rental to buy for 700,000, put 200 grand into it, have it appraised for 1.2, and then only rent it out for $3,500 a month. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. tough, man, that's tough. Yeah. And, you don't and, really cash flow there. Well, <laughs> and, and the, you know, I think I think what what's good is you have, you know, with that steep gradient, a 30 mile distance, that's a pretty steep gradient in price points, yeah. right? But what's nice that you guys have the ability to, to grab, we'll call it a negative geared property, one that's gonna go up in value. So that's kind of your cash pot. And then you can go down and buy a rental property. I know Enrique, he's got a lot. He was on my show. You know, he's got a lot. He's in Tacoma uh, as well, right? No. Uh, Enrique will property manage in Tacoma. He buys all his rentals in Yakima. Yakima, that's about, right. Yeah, yeah. He's about two hours east of Seattle, and he can find something for 40, 50 grand there still. Got so, it. Tacoma. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you know, it's it, that's a steep gradient. And that's, the, you know, there. There's some pressure. I don't care what anybody says. You're, you're, you're pulling some money out. That's a lot of money that you're accountable for. I get it. You know, it's just zeros and it's not emotional. But, you know, there's a there's a there's a pucker factor, right? There's a sleep factor that you have to deal with at the end of the day going, shit, man, we're yeah, we're out there, awesome. you know, and I guess I don't know. Does it get easier 
when the more you borrow, that you get less emotionally attached to it. What, what's well, your thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, Grace and I have different uh, business mentalities, but on, I know on that part, uh, it's for. I mean, I guess how to say, you don't if you're in this if you're in the little pond that you're in, and the only thing you know is that, then that's just what you know, right? Sure. And it's not a it's not a difference. Like if uh, we have a land development we're doing in that's a 20 lot development and the only reason why i bring that up is that it's down south a little bit past tacoma uh the purchase price on the land was 490 grand now the person that brought it to us to partner on it uh they had a pucker factor because they were used to little onesie twosie developments in tacoma that are costing them 60 dollars. so a four hundred ninety thousand dollar purchase uh, for a land development was a huge thing and they didn't know where to get the money. They had no idea. That was just a big, big, uh, risk factor to them. So they brought it to me at 490 grand to us. You're like is, sneezing at that. Yeah. You're like, that's, that's it. That's a single family home. <laughs> yeah. We're just like, okay, yeah, sure. I'll do this with you. That's yeah. Fine. Yeah. And, uh, that was, so it's a, it's a matter of perspective. So it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a perception in reality, right? I mean, you know, your, your perception is your reality, obviously, but there, there's some factors to that that all of a sudden you're like, you know, I remember, you know, when, when we were growing our company and we thought, man, if we just got to a hundred properties, that would be awesome. You know, we're like, man, we see, we'd go to an event and we'd see someone that managed 300 properties. We're like, whoa, how do they do that? You know, like that is beyond, you know, and now, you know, we're blowing through a thousand properties at, at Empire and we're just like, yeah, we're just, now we're looking at two, you know, so your, your whole filter changes. So, but before you, before you say that, I want to, I want to talk a little bit about you and Grace. Um, and, and I want to bring Gabe in on this conversation cause he's in the same boat. So husband, wife, you guys are, you guys are an amazing couple. Um, we'll talk a little bit how, how we met, how, how I met you guys after, but what, what are the different roles? So you're doing the, you're doing the, the, the fixing and flipping and she's just doing the management or Grace, are you involved in the management and the fixing also? So I quit my job about a year ago. I know. So proud of you. Job, so I'm super excited. I really liked the job and not until it was really impairing my freedom to travel and spend time together. That's when it was, okay, I'm helping someone else to build that dream and it's time to move on and actually work for our own company. So my responsibility is really uh, managing the rental properties. The Burr method, you know, when Tarl's over with his rehab, then I would come in to do my own punch list and moving forward and, yeah, renting them out and also running events business together yeah, and learning on uh, acquisitions and rehab, you know, meetings, big place with the Jeez. team. So I'm learning as I go, but it's very exciting and that's a vehicle to get to travel and do the fun stuff like you said you know it's a strategy yeah you, you guys are everywhere doing stuff i mean you guys are scuba diving you're out hiking you're shooting guns with awesome. enrique i mean you guys are you guys are truly doing what i'm assuming that's what you guys are doing this for right is the lifestyle is that is that right yes so how is it working? I'm going to ask you, and then I'm going to ask you, Gabe. Your wife's not here, so you you may be. Uh, Grace is right next to Tarl, so he she could put he may me answer different. Right. But so so guys, what is it like working as a couple? Is it tough? Is it you know you have different ideologies of, of investing, like you said. I'm guessing Grace is a little more conservative, and you're you're maybe a little bit not as conservative. Would be my guess. How is that to to work as a couple? Well, I'll, I'll let. Grace answered a couple parts. Smart. I could say as far as conservative goes. But the, 
uh, on the conservative side, no, we're both in balance and alignment on all that stuff. And I'm fortunate to have a spouse that trusts the hell out of me. And the so when it comes to the investment side, she she lets she leans on you know my decisions on the investment side for sure. But when it comes to making decisions that are going to put us at risk, we talk about it very carefully, and I make sure that uh, we're all you know well aware of what risk it might be taking. And if there's any doubt, then we just don't do it. But Grace can talk about the balance between us. How, how do you do that, Grace? Is it, if somebody was thinking of you know a lot of times couples say we're going to do this together, we're going to get involved in this. Um, Gabe, I don't know if that's how you did it, but you know how 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 did you how do you step in because it was kind of Tarl's world, right? And you kind of stepped into that world, and now you're kind of you know that's fighting right. your place. Yeah. How how is that to do and and figure out your best spot to to shine at? That's right. So I would highly suggest to other couples who are considering the thing. You know, don't think real estate is sexy, and all your relationship will be resolved because you're working together. Uh, what has worked for us, and I hope it would work for others, we had a strong foundation as a couple. Uh, we really like to be together. We like to brainstorm, strategize what we want in life, to be aligned together. So we have very similar hobbies. And, you know, working together as a team, for us, it was like another level. Okay, getting deeper, but we are both very powerful and alphas. So we knew it would be very, uh, you know, it could end up not so nice if we began working together, not putting the boundaries between two of us in professional life. Yes. So what, yeah, so the, so the boundaries were very important. Right. Yeah, so did you did you um, before? I'm in, and, and I know Tarl. I know you're a very analytical. You know, you're 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 a thinker, right? So did you, before you did this, did yeah. did you kind of go through the the mental gymnastics and have that conversation with Grace? Say, okay, how do we how do we set this up for success? Because I know that you're a very structured person. Um, you, you're you're much like Pete. So so how did you how did you how did you structure that to have that conversation with Grace to say, okay, how do we do this to make this work? Uh, actually, Grace and I did it together. So we sat down on the weekends for a few weeks prior to because she had a great job and she loved what she did. But we actually balanced out to where we got an easel out and we got a big, huge butcher paper out and started writing down, okay, what's everything we want our life to look like as a couple? We didn't talk about business. We started writing out over the next 12, 24 months, where do we want our life to be? Uh, how do we want to live? How do we want to travel? Where do we want to go? Uh, what does our day-to-day -day look like together? And then after we wrote all that out, we had a ton of places we wanted to travel to over the next 12, 24 months, uh, which we traveled all of them so far, actually. Uh, but for the, we have a huge list. <laughs> we went to a lot of places. But for when we wrote it all out, the question was, can Grace keep her job and us do all these things at the same time? And the answer was no. It right? was a huge awakening and it was mm. sad at the same time. Mm. But I'm like, okay, the first thing we need to do is to eliminate and you know, take the steps of how to exit nicely because I did like, you know, where I work. Right. Yeah. And so, and through that, the big thing though was Grace was never going to quit her job unless she had a full role in the business and she was not going to come to the business and work for me. Right. Uh, she was going to come to the business. I made it very clear. Very we work <laughs> together. We nice. work, you know, I work with Tarl, not yeah. for Tarl. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. well, even but on a business sense, it's kind of hard to sit there and go, okay, well, uh, you know, this is a new business. This is a new, you know, mentality. So how do we define that role? And we just drew a line in the sand and said, okay, everything on this side, 
which is after the property's been rehabbed, is 100% grace. And 100%. And if she wants to burn all the rentals down, she can burn them all down. That's her decision. Uh, she owns all that. Everything before the rental is 100% me and my team uh, that for the rehab and, and acquisitions, right? And then Grace helps support that. But right afterwards, she owns all of it. And hmm. so and there's that clear line. And then on the event side, what we do, we set up clear lines on front end, back end systems for the events and who owns those. Uh, and we just don't cross those lines. And that's what helps us out. Well, it's interesting because, and Gabe, I'm going to get your opinion on this, but it, it's like addition by subtraction, right? You, you strip away some of these things like like a job, right? I mean, stripping away a job is you're, you're, you're subtracting, but you're, you're adding up for your life and, and your life together and your business. And your business is going to flourish. Your, your wealth is going to flourish because you took subtraction, which a lot of people will say like, well, I'll just do both. But the reality would probably be you probably would not do both very well. You, you would only do one very well. So the fact that you're doing that, that, that is huge. Gabe, what, now you, you were in the construction business and you got out and then yeah. you started flipping properties and doing all that. What, did your wife get in right from the beginning with you or how did she Heck do that? No. no. She did it. No, man. Uh, no, we do not have the same story. So I'm, I'm more the entrepreneur <laughs> okay. just making shit happen type of person, throw uh -huh. a bunch of mud on the wall. And, and uh, my wife just, you know, she trusts us. Um, but I mean, I've been, I've been entrepreneurial. I've been, um, you know, ran a construction business for a while and it took her some time to realize, um, that side, that the self-employment side for a while, cause it's really where I was. I mean, I ran a couple crews and stuff, but I wasn't trying to blow it up and, and I didn't really want to blow it up. I right. didn't, it, construction wasn't my end goal. And so she saw me go through that and she helped navigate through those things. But we had a bunch of, um, just pockets, like holes in our business structure of what we're doing. So we hired basically a business coach and we just try to fill in those gaps as much as possible with very specific roles. And what I realized is that the more specific I got in those roles from our bookkeeper role to, I mean, some of these other things that are every business needs, if you want to blow things up. Things that you don't think about, things, right? Yeah. Things not until it happens. I'm like, man, there was no line in the sand. It yeah. was just kind of like, oh, there needs to be a line here uh, right. because it was like crossing over. Um, but yeah, she totally, now she's on board. And so she does a lot of the Pete role type stuff. Um, everyone needs a Pete. Everybody needs the Pete. <laughs> and, everyone uh, needs a it's, Pete. it's actually, um, one of our weaker spots in our company. So right. we have a couple people. So helping her out and staffing those other areas, because we just don't think that way. And now how do you guys separate those two when you're, you know, when you're at home, how do you separate the roles between you and your wife? Um, well, as far as transactions and, and whatnot goes, I mean, she does all admin, okay. you know, so, um, you know, even from, um, I'm, I'm more of the acquisitions. We take care of the, the flips, the rehabs, all those things. Like what Tarl does. Pretty much. I take care of all that stuff. And then I'm also over, um, figuring out what to do with the property. So when it comes to exit strategies and stuff, that's all me. She's okay. taking care. So she's care. more back end operation. She's way back end. She doesn't even see the houses. Uh, she very rarely walks a house. You know, it's, it's funny when I was buying these crappy properties, my wife got to the point that she said, you know what? You need to stop taking me to these houses. I don't, I don't need to see anymore. Yeah. It's like she knew before I did that we were making big mistakes and she was like, just, you just need to stop taking me to these. Cause I'm That's basically, awesome. she's losing respect every day. Yeah. Every time I think I took her to another property, I'm like, look at this one. She's like, stop bringing me to these yeah. properties. Yeah. We see another cat yeah. She's like, yeah. you suck at buying these houses. Yeah. Just stop. Yeah. You know? I don't show her that she doesn't walk any house until it's either halfway through or completely done Got to it. where, you know, because I mean, we have three kids and, and our whole goal was family oriented family 
family business, right? Okay. So um, she wanted to be more available. And so we had a staff in a certain way to say, if she, you need to be more available, we need to, we like right now, she's probably hanging out with doing something with the kids or right. building a business. I mean, at the same time. So, you know, but yeah, she didn't, she still doesn't show up to a lot of houses until so, they're done. Tarl, let, let me ask you guys this, and I'll ask you the same question is, you know, in, in your model, did you guys actually sit down and create like an org chart with job roles and descriptions and duties and stuff like that? You yep. do. Awesome. So That's the, good. Yeah, but I mean, it's also easy where you just go when you have multiple facets to your business to just go, okay, here's the line. You own that, which is like property management and everything with that role. So that's a whole model. We don't need now on the fix and flip or on the rehab construction operations, the day to day. Yeah, we do have an org chart with there. Uh, Grace's runs kind of similar to an operations manager to that level where she helps manage the accountability of our, uh, on everything else. So she might not be involved with like, like we have team members, Serena, Nate and so forth. Uh, Nate runs our acquisitions. So she might not be like super involved with the Nate on acquisitions, but she's there to make sure Nate's doing what he's supposed to do. Accountability. Do you guys, now do you guys run your operation like with KPIs and traction tracking that way? Or do you not, not that in depth? Yes. You do. I'm assuming That's you do, good. Charles, because yes, so. I know that you're you're a very detailed guy. So I'm a, I'm, I mean, you know, well, it's it's funny. I was just uh, we we muted you uh, for a second. I'm like, wow, it's funny he thinks I'm a detailed guy, but uh, it's because uh, just for your listeners, the your involvement with me is on our events, right? Yes, and, that's uh, true. So that that I, is true. Yeah, our our events stuff, yes, is very detailed because we have a one number one rule for any event we run is don't waste people's time, mm-hmm. and that's that's just the number one thing. So I get really hardcore structured on our events because I don't want to waste people's time. You don't know me in real estate though, so <laughs> but for uh, the it's funny with that. Yes, I am detailed, but it's a curse and a blessing because I also have that. 50,000 foot view. Uh-huh. And then I could sometimes hone in a little too hardcore on the uh, minutia. Kind of go into the rabbit hole a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. it's, it's a curse and a blessing, but the, that's good for, <clears throat> but as far as structure goes, we had, we were joking with Nate, our acquisitions guy, cause he worked with us. He's been with us for two years. And uh, I met him at the event, right? I think we were, yeah, we were, yeah, chat, we were yeah. rapping at the event. He was yeah. MC. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. He's a good yeah. guy. Yeah. The joke with him was that we hired a friend, uh, not somebody to run acquisitions because we wanted to hang out with some guy or whatever. <laughs> he, wanted, he wanted him for the name, for the cool guy yeah, factor. Yeah, he was, he, a, he was our banker. Yeah, he was our banker at Chase. We recruited <laughs> really? Him that's funny. Uh, the, yeah, so for him, his first year was almost a training learning lesson. So we didn't really have any KPIs for him. He just hung out with us. And, uh, <laughs> that's awesome. You know, product property, great. But, uh, but it took a little bit to get to the point where we had the true KPIs, uh, you know, whether it's Serena helps run construction management. She has her uh, KPIs on there for how the property produces. Uh, then if she gets back on profit, Nate has his KPIs on the acquisition side. Uh, and when we bring in a property, if it's set up, and his thing is more if it's set up correctly, right? So if the property is set up specifically the way we need it to make the acquisitions team work really well with the construction and rehab team, right? if it's, if it's a smooth transition, that's his yeah. KPI. And so uh, if it's the property is the property, we know if the buy is going to be a good buy on the front end. So we can't really rate him so much on that uh, because we're, we know our criteria, but we rate it on how well was the property put together to make our lives 10 times easier. Like the project, project management, basically. Is that, 
meaning like it's set up. So like, uh, do we have all the photos? Do we have mm. uh, a floor plan? Do we have enough information to be able to like red train? flags to notice? Yeah. Hey, have you noticed like foundation issues or have you mm. noticed that like good. sewer? You know, is it packaged correctly? We have a. I mean, I don't want to go down in the weeds, but we have a very. We are very detailed on how we set up the project, huh? and we found this huge trick, huge huge gap between acquisitions running and going and construction rehab not knowing what the hell acquisitions acquisitions doing so we created a kpi process to make the acquisitions team uh put together the property so perfectly to where once it's purchased the rehab team doesn't even need to talk to the acquisitions team they can literally just pick up the file and know exactly what needs to be done that's on the awesome property and go that's good so, do you guys use a do you use a program or an app or something like a checklist like how do you, how do you how do you get cuz that's just like in property management and property management it's sales and operations that's actually I, I take it back that's any business in general sales and mar- yeah. sales marketing versus operations there's always that rub right sales promises shit operations says we don't do that and you're like well we already sold that so we got to keep going so Yep. You know, there's always that 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 oil and vinegar. So, do you guys have that? And how did you guys bridge that gap on your side? Yeah, it took us a little while through uh, trial and error, and then we—I mean, there was a period of time in 2017, uh, early 2017, where we would buy a house, and the rehab team would have no clue we even owned it for two, three weeks. And That's so, and I'd be sitting there as the owner, wow. like being like, "Hey," because we had project managers, you know, we had all sorts of stuff going on. Uh, and I'd be like, Hey, what's going on with this property? They're like, what property? And the, like, we owned it for two weeks. <laughs> so, the one we've owned for two know. weeks. <laughs> yeah. They're like, Yikes. I don't know that. So there's, <laughs> so we found a little bit of an issue there, but the, uh, so the pro the programs we use, we use Asana ASA. I love Asana, man. We are nice. all over that. Oh yeah. Awesome. And so the Asana, we used Basecamp for a lot of years. Uh-huh. Uh, but Basecamp had limitations for us that we didn't like. Now, do you have a Sauna uh, Pro or do you have the do you have the, the free one? Because I'm using the free one, digging it, and I'm contemplating the Pro. Oh, no, we, oh, we pay the shit out of it. Yeah, so it's yeah. the... Yeah, it ain't cheap, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. I've, I looked at the, the, the bill. Okay, that doesn't look good because invoices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to you after the show. It's all relative, right? <laughs> if, it, if it makes you a million dollars, it's cheap, right? right. I mean, it's all, it's all right. relative. Yeah. So we love Asana. We develop templates uh, for everything. Acquisitions team has a template. Uh, rehab team has a template. They talk to each other. Uh, so that way when the acquisitions queues up the property, it's good to go. It then triggers rehab team to know that it's coming down the pipeline and they already have the data inputted. We use Dropbox to store files. Yep. So every property has a Dropbox file that's set up very specifically. So that way we can open up any property and we know where the documents are going to be because it's set up the same way. So it's just a very easy file system. So we store documents in Dropbox, but we communicate through Asana. And then the last thing we use is Smartsheet. Uh, and Smartsheet we love. Uh, but yeah, the problem with all these programs like Asana and Smartsheet is you have to build it. Yeah. So if you, if you can't just... I remember when uh, somebody showed me Smartsheet, I'm like, that's amazing. And then I open it up and it's just an Excel It's just blank. You're like, this <laughs> is not amazing. I want the amazing. <laughs> yeah. How do you just make it do what it's supposed to do? Yeah. And then, so we had to build it and put some time and energy resource into it. Our Smartsheet, we use to build our scopes of work for our construction. So we, uh, we don't let the contractors control the construction by any means. Uh, we... We build the entire scope of work, and we have our, our we have it now with Smartsheet to where our scope of work communicates with our accounting. Okay. Uh, on, a, on a separate sheet, and so that way we know at any moment 
what exactly we're at as far as budgets go, timelines and everything on Smartsheet. And then we communicate with everybody through Asana That's uh, with good. tasks. And That's deadlines. good. Now, have you That's ever cool. used uh, Slack? Have you ever heard of Slack? Uh-huh. So yeah, I guess Slack is integrated um, inside of Asana, from what my understanding. You I know that, our, yes. you know, we have a lot of uh, virtual assistants, you know, down in Mexico <clears throat> and stuff that, that that are employees of ours, um, about twenty of them. But um, everyone communicates through Slack and Asana. And then Pete actually took it a step further, and we have a we've invested a lot of money um, in creating our own online cloud based checklists that Pete has uh-huh. created that are. Uh, Expensive, I would say, is probably. I guess it's all relative, but it. it our company runs on checklists. I mean, it, it so much that we're looking at packaging them up uh, to to be able to sell them in other countries. Actually, um, but anyway. So, Grace, I want I want to turn towards you for a minute here. So you're this is this is a whole new world, right? You're in this property management world. <clears throat> what were some of your fears going into this? Because you took a big leap, right? Now you're in this. It's like, yay, Grace is in property management. What were some of the challenges you came across getting into this? Because, look, I, I, I tell people all the time, basically, property management is a complaint desk. People call you to either bitch at you about something. They are mad. at. They don't call you to tell you they're do, you're doing a great job. They call you when they have a problem. And I, you know, Pete and I used to say we're like the trash men of real estate, right? No one likes us. They don't like hanging out with us, but they need us. And so this that's the reality is, is people need a place to live. But, you know, they and now you don't have to deal with owners because you're just managing your own properties. Right. So yeah. we have to deal. You know, That's we have right. a, we have yeah, a thousand. Our right. So we have a thousand properties. So we have about 800 owners and we have a thousand tenants and everybody has a different definition of happiness. And all we can do is run it right down the middle of what the law says. Recipe for nightmare, yeah. Yeah. So, so what? What were? Tell me, what were some of the challenges that you kind of came across doing this? Now, there are your own properties, which can be a a blessing and a curse. I'm guessing. So the biggest fear, I will start with that. I think the biggest fear to me was to getting into real estate, working with Tarl and our team members, and then not being integral part where I can add value to the business mm-hmm. and contribute and be confident in my skill set. So I have invested and in being resourceful of meeting amazing people like Enrique, like yourself, yep. you know, like not being afraid to ask questions and really dig in to see how other people are doing and really just, you know, uh, shadowing people and really getting to know business structure and how things work so to remove the fears is really like i put more tools under my belt in order to feel confident that i can you know excel and be good in a role that i stepped into yeah and then let's see troubles anything uh, what about like, stores? we had a uh, so we flipped for a long time right yeah. So, but we never kept these things. So there's things that we never thought that we needed for a rental. And so our properties are fully updated. So when we're done with a rental, there's no, there's no like, oh, rent ready. No, our rent ready is tile, luxury vinyl planking, all brand new electrical. Like a cell brand new windows, brand new room. Wow. Like, right. So we have no capital expenditures whatsoever, like after we uh, are done with the property. But we also never kept these things before. So Grace made us very much aware that we kind of screw up some stuff. Uh, so it, it was a learning process. I'm sure. like, okay, that looks beautiful. I was not aware of what it would be to turn to rental. And then I'm like walking in through the property, doing my own checklist. I'm like, holy shit, you guys forgot to add the dry event, you know? Because <laughs> clients is sometimes not there when they sell the house. They're not, not even thinking about it. 
or like you know as simple as uh door stoppers well yeah and mailboxes, mailboxes not there. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like well, that's, that's, not, that's my their problem yeah. 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 Like, my favorite thing is for years flipping you have these big huge nasty boxes on the side of the house yeah that have a whole bunch of like communication stuff going into it and comcast <laughs> cable and like you know internet stuff and i'm like this thing's in the way of our painters rip it all out and the because uh, it looks ugly on the side of the house because it got wires all over the place so you know we just we, our, we commonly rip all that stuff off the property and now you're not now you're kind of scratching your grace going hey the tennis one cable what's going on with that yeah. i'm yeah. like Tara, did you see cable when yeah. you guys did yeah, we <laughs> yeah we saw it for about 30 seconds before we ripped it clean so great yeah. now you you own rental properties too right because we had a discussion about yeah. you being a superhero oh, last week so um how do you handle yours who, who does your wife handle those or do you handle them or how does that work <laughs> That's a good question. So I don't think there's an answer. Uh, there, that, yeah, I'm I don't guessing. have a full answer. There's not like a, so we're still working through the process of creating KPIs on that side right. because we just started create like started acquiring some this year. Yeah. Um, and so, but we so she came on full time last year, and then it took us about three months to figure out what what kind of team is this? You know, right. what are we going to be doing? And so now she takes care of, like I said, she anything that has to do with any document, paperwork, whatever it might be. And then, like I said, I have an assistant that I call up and say, hey, this is what we need to do. Can you send this over to Mary Lou? And so Mary Lou will get a file through him. Like right. she, I don't even talk to her sometimes because I mean, you know, we have kids. So, right. So, yeah. you know, hey, You're babe, busy, how's it going? Yeah. Oh, it's OK, but I got to go pick up so-and-so. Yeah. Um, we could easily There's go. Life. On, life, yeah, life gets rabbit in the way, right? happen. And that's the reason why we came into business with each other, because so I'd like to this. have those things. But at the same time, we could go 20, 25 minutes talking about life at right. the same time of, oh, by the way. Hey, I got to hurry up and go. Oh, by the way, go yeah. send that file. No, yeah. That, so we used to do that for forever. Now you're just reactionary pinging back and yeah. forth. So right? now we're like, okay, this is what needs to happen here. This is what we're going to do. Like I said, mainly it's me that's over a lot of the properties and overseeing some of the properties, what needs to happen. And the, the but I just, I have so much of the experience, you know, of doing it. It's really fast for me. So I'm just like, yeah, I know what needs to happen next. Call that guy. Right. So you, know? you just do and it. And I'm not really even the guy calling them. You know, like, hey, we need a foundation guy over there. We need this over there. And then she's the one calling the foundation guy and doing all the files and well, stuff like and, that. And it, sometimes and it's scheduling. a hybrid, right? Sometimes it's a, when you're married and you guys are doing this, like Grace, I'm sure there's things, or Tarl, you may, I don't know, maybe you, you cross into the rental realm if you have to, or I'm guessing if there's a maintenance issue, like who who fixes the maintenance stuff? You guys do? I don't, I don't want anything yeah. So we haven't had, to do much maintenance, like Carl mentioned, our property. Right. Yeah, they're new, so it's like a very minute stuff that needs like fixing. So like what I'm working on now is really getting like, okay, what is the life of, you know, certain appliances or things to be replaced that will be the next thing to work on, but like we haven't had those issues. Yeah, our big thing, like we have one of our contractors, he's a tenant of ours. We let him rent one of our properties at a discount. He's mm -hmm. the most loyal guy in the world now. Uh, but in return, if there is a handyman thing, that he'll do it for free, pretty much. Oh, that's okay, so, man. Uh, nice. Yeah, he, he yeah, pays rent, but he's right. at a discounted rent. Discounted uh, rate, yeah. And, he, and didn't then say, he didn't necessarily qualify for the rental, so you know. <laughs> he did him. A, so he did him a solid. Yeah. Well, and and, and again, sometimes it's it's one of those things that you, you know you've got to you have to improvise, right? You got to you know sometimes you, it may not be picture perfect, but it works, right? And and yeah. that that's the key, I think, is what you guys are doing is. Now, now, let me ask you this. What is the goal, Grace, on your side? What is your goal of, of creating this? Did you, do you have a certain number of properties you want to get to? Um, do you have a certain revenue? Is it doors? Is it revenue? Is it what? What is it you're after? We are in the middle of uh, redefining, but I think like the 
the dollar amount, I think that's what it matters. You know, like yeah. how many dollars is like, okay, so what, you know, what gives us freedom? So we're working towards that. And I just recently redefined to be $25,000 a month cash flow. Mm -hmm. That is the target. Yeah. Positive, like after all expenses. After, yeah. Game yeah. On. That's great. Because, you know, it's funny you say that because, you know, a uh, couple reasons. My sales, my sales uh, manager, we were talking the other day and he says, you know, we're always so focused on doors. We're focused on getting properties and getting properties. And, you know, last month we, we signed up, I think, 80, 85 new properties. Right. So, I mean, we we're yeah. just we we're just hitting on cylinders. People fixed on the doors. Yeah. And he goes, shouldn't we be fixed on revenue? Like, yeah, because, you know, again, we have a, we have parameters of, of properties we won't take. But it's like, how about how much management fee we're actually making per property? and how much revenue per property we're making. And me and Pete kind of thought, we kind of scratched our head and we thought, yeah, because at the end of the day, it's, it's all about revenue. It's not about right. doors. It's, if we can have a thousand doors that yeah. create the same revenue as 2000. Unless it's a hobby. <laughs> unless it's a hobby, right? Yeah. And, and, and it just, it was so weird because yeah. we never really looked at it that way to go, man, that's a good idea. Like, that's you know, good. we should be looking at revenue because yeah. at the end of the day, that's all that matters, you know, revenue and then obviously Absolutely. profit and stuff. Um, so, you you want to get to twenty five thousand? What is the time frame that you're thinking that you're it's going to take for you to get there? Have you thought about that? Two years. I think two more years. And two. so the mainly because we started really focusing on rentals last year, mm -hmm. uh, and by yeah. the end of December we'll be at like twenty two rented doors or something like that. Okay. Uh, by the time we're done, and the the benefit of doing our doors here is because we're doing the burst strategy. Uh, we're at probably I think our average loan to value after we refinance out with the construction. Uh, is around 61% LTV uh, after, and that's with almost no money into any of them because wow. we were able to cash out of pretty much all of them because we bring the after repair value so high up onto the properties because we're not putting 20% down on these things and you know then yeah. holding on to them and getting our you know seven eight cap or something like that and right. you know being excited about that uh, we want like either you know our minimum cap on our single families is about 43% and then it needs to be uh, with you know, at the end of that, that's if we have to leave money in it. Uh, and if we are preferred is like infinite because we don't have any money in it because we're buying these properties at you say 150 grand, putting 50,000 into it. And then, you know, they ate the, the appraise at 300. And so we're able to pull out, you know, 65, 70% LTV and be no money in. So some of these, we have to leave some in, we have some duplexes, triplexes and stuff that we have to leave some in, but we'll be at roughly 22 doors by December. Uh, and fully renovated, done uh, on top of the flips we do. What are those and rent? So, what are those rent for? What are they rent for? Yeah, so you're you're all in at two hundred. Sounds like right as far as your expenses and whatnot. That's the property, but yeah. Yeah. So what does the rents go for over there? Uh, depends. But the in some area. parts, some parts like we have a duplex that we owe like two ten on. Uh, the bottom unit rents for thirteen fifty, and the top unit rents for fifteen fifty. Nice. So wow, that's a, nice. uh, yeah, she would know better than me, but wow. so you're talking our taxes, insurance. I know the property taxes, insurance on that one's like a 12, 1280 and at a two fifteen loan. Jeez. And then, but we're getting 1350 on the bottom and 1550 on the top. So the, and that's in the middle of Tacoma. Uh, wow. We have a house in South of Seattle that we just rented out. That's what is Which that? Which one? Renton. Renton. Uh, 21. Uh, this one, 2150. 2150 for that one. That's just a three bedroom, two bath. Uh, and then we have some, we have a two bedroom, one bath in Tacoma running out for 1450. Uh, another one running out for 14. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I think our lowest rent's fourteen hundred. Oh no, the, the duplex thirteen fifty. And wow. in your your the 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 beautiful thing of what you guys are doing is is you guys are carving that in because of fixated real estate because of the ability on the front end side of, of what Tarl does is making the the cash flow side so beautiful. And what a, I mean, what a fantastic. And you're getting the appreciation as well, you know. So I mean, you guys are you guys are hitting yeah, on so many cylinders. That's golden, because, man. Yeah, I mean, what what a great mm. scenario. Now, Grace, let me ask you this: When do you think that your systems are going to be taxed? Meaning, when do you think you're going to start? Because you will get to a, you will get to a point that all of a sudden you're going to be running out of hours in the day. You're going to be running. You know, you're going to go, man. These systems we created are not going to work, right? So there, there is a point we all get there. You don't That's know what's why coming. I'm actually right now in a in a you know in that midst of it, trying to put the systems and hands things because yeah. my objective is not like put more hours in, but to trade in money for more time, free time mm-hmm. to actually have it. As like you know, that's not Grace's goal to be like a property manager and running somebody else's properties. Yeah. It's like how effectively and how can I delegate what to trade in money for like the most value add. So I'm in. In the middle of it now. And the beauty of it is like, that's like very exciting part. Number one, I love people and I love like a people business and real estate is people business. Absolutely. Secondly, it's like creating those systems and like try to break them to see how bulletproof they are. I think that's like my passion and it will be super awesome. And I would like to bounce some ideas with you maybe after the show as well. Yeah. Well, and you know what what we were taught, you know, for us is, 50% 50% of the people and 50% of your systems will break during growth mode and and they should break because if they're not if you're not in a if you're not teetering on that chaotic mode if you're not teetering on chaos you're comfortable when you're comfortable you're not growing and we all know this from from our good friend Marshall Silver uh, you know you, you've got to you've got to get uncomfortable right and that that's kind of the things that that I've learned you know over and over again we are constantly pushed on being uncomfortable and sometimes it's it's, you got got, yeah you got to get out of your comfort zone and and at the end of the day it you'll figure it out right i mean it's a it it can be a sink or swim scenario and the nice thing with with what i've learned with the rental business is is that you know well you you're at a much better advantage because you are the client right you are the owner now the other client is the tenant and you know like we always say we have two clients we have the owner and we have the tenant and we need to make both of them happy to make this whole thing work. We could be the best management company to the owner, but yeah. if we suck at putting tenants in and the tenants are leaving all the time, they're going to go, Hey, I like drinking beers with you guys. You guys are great, but you suck at making me money. I'm yeah. firing yeah. you, you know? Yeah. So, and that, and that's one of the things is like you, you said, perfect grace. It's, being yeah. And it, it's the people business, you know, and, and Tarl can, can do his side. He can go and, and rip out boxes and, and say, I don't care. You don't need a mailbox and there's no door stops and this and that. But, you know, Grace has to sit there on the flip side and go, wait a second. So I think what's going to happen eventually is if you don't have it now is you're going to have a punch list, Grace, that you're going to need yeah. to make sure Tarl. Yeah. I have a punch list and I keep adding and I'm adding two more things this week alone. <laughs> One thing I came things. across, <laughs> like, okay, we built a new fence in this beautiful single family home that I'm actually meeting a, a applicant tomorrow to sign the lease. And I'm looking at this beautiful fence. If it was for sale, this home, I'm like, okay, I wouldn't look at it. But now I look, okay, how can I, you know, protect our assets from that lens. This yeah. is not like how to make it pretty. Mm. I'm like, okay, 
we don't have a sealant on that fence. Yep. And, yeah. and we have right lots here. of rain. Like, it's not Texas, right? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, what is the longevity of that fence? Yeah. Is it worth it for us to stain it, to paint it, whatever that technique oh, wow, it yeah. is to add more capital in? Or is it how many years after do we have to rebuild or whatever, put some things in? So, like, things like that, it keeps coming up. And I'm talking to Tara, I'm like, hey, you know. Yeah, I would never put that on our scope. You wouldn't even think about that, right? Wow. Like, no. Yeah. yeah. But but now you have to start thinking long term. Like for example, you oh know, fence is gonna last. <laughs> it only needs to last till <laughs> I sell it. Yeah, it'll it'll last a good five years at least. And I'm yeah. thinking in my head, I'm like, what's the big? Oh, I'm like, living the long time. But for you know now, I think oh, we're probably gonna have this property for ten years. So yeah, maybe we should put a ceiling on that. Right. And and yeah. you know, but that's a beauty, you know, to have a discussion with your partner, with mm, your you know, that's absolutely. It's a, that's a business. It's all of a sudden you got to start looking yeah. at capital improvements, and you got to say, okay, is this a capital improvement, that, and is this going to get me my return back, or you know, if I put in a dollar, am I going to get two back yeah. essentially? And you know, yeah. you, you were talking about the tenant, you know, deal meeting with tenants. You know, one of the things that that I I have learned that I made the huge mistake is, you know, you always try to be nice to the tenant and friendly and, the, and there's, there's a business nice. And then, and then there's a, a friendly nice. Right. And you know, what, what we have yeah. learned is we are very, very clear of setting expectations with our tenants. Meaning when we, when we meet with the tenant, we let them know, listen, we are going to provide you with a safe, comfortable house for you to live in. And in exchange for that, you are going to pay rent. Now, yeah. just so we're on the same page, we took 150 pictures of this property before you moved in. We know exactly how it looks, identical. We know you are going to sign this document that states what we are going to deduct out of the security deposit at a minimum for damage that's done when you move out. $2 for I a light bulb, yeah. $25 for a key, hole in the wall, minimum of $100, carpet, $300. We gave you the house with professionally shampooed carpets. That means when you give it back to us, I don't want a Home Depot shampoo. I want a professional shampoo with a receipt that shows that you got it professionally cleaned. And I'll even give you my shampoo guy so that he can come do it because he knows what we expect. And this is what we're going to deduct out of your security deposit. Hey, I would love for you to get your security deposit back full. That's our goal so we can rent it right away the next day. But if you don't, now you, Mr. Tenant, know. And the way that we're going to decide that is we're going to take another 150 pictures of this property when you move out and we're going to compare the two. And we're going to go, you know what? This is wear and tear. This is damage. Damage you're responsible for. And, and we talk to the tenants and we explain to them, listen, this is a business and this is how we're going to operate. And if you don't like that, then maybe you should not rent from us because this is how it's going to go. And whatever's left, we may have to take you to collections to, to get what we need because we're running a business. And look, I want to provide you and I want to make sure that I don't want to, anything to sneak up on you when, when you move out. I don't want you to say I was unfair. Let's make sure we're on the same page. And we've had some tenants say, you know what? I don't think I should rent from you because we live pretty hard on the houses. And I'm like, you know what? I appreciate, we appreciate the honesty. I'd rather have the discussion yeah, now yeah. than, you That's know, and, and, you know, the number one reason why landlords are sued is over security deposit dispositions mm -hmm. because a landlord says, well, you know what? I make, uh, you know, a hundred bucks an hour and I was there for five hours and he wasted my Saturday. So that's an extra 300. So uh, I'm going to keep the whole deposit. And the judge goes, doesn't work that way. So if you clear, if you set those expectations in the beginning, and again, it's, it's just a matter of things that you're going to learn as you do this, you're, you're, you, you took on 22 properties, now you kind of have to start swallowing it and digesting it. And it's going to go through the trials and tribulations of tenant calls and says, this is broken. And now you're going to go, well, who is responsible for that? Mm. Are we or are they? What is property? What is, what does the Seattle property code say? Who's responsible? Because the law says that, you know, if it's, making the house unsafe or uninhabitable, 
the owner's responsible, you know, and you yeah. can't charge a service charge. And you know what I mean? And so I think these are things that you're going to learn about this to, to do this. But the one thing I would say is, is, you know, as you're going through this, Grace, is you set those expectations in the beginning. You have that conversation. We do it with our owners and we do it with tenants. Just make sure, hey, you know what? Let's just set everything on the table and let's make sure we're all clear. And if it doesn't work, no harm, no foul. But let's discuss it before we, you know, get married. And now we're in this together for, you know, a year and we find out that something is, you know, gone wrong, you know? I like that strategy a lot. I want to add on something that you 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 hit on, not directly, but when we're because we're talking kind of about systems, is you have a system that you created for those processes. Yeah, And I think that's important for anybody that's in any business is that that system's not reliable on your memory. It's no. reliant on your processes that you created. And I think that too many people in business are so good at what they do, but it's because it's what's in their head. And when they, they get tell comfortable, the they get comfortable. It's like, oh, I just, I already know that this needs to happen or this happens here or whatever or whatever. But as soon as you start scaling and start building anything that you start becoming either too much, everybody relies on you too heavily. Uh, and your memory, and then it's you're you're fallible. I mean, things are going to happen. So you have those checklists that you created. You have those processes that you wrote down, and you make everybody follow it. Versus having to remember, uh, oh, what do we do next? Right. right. Well, and you know, it's it's funny you say that, Tarl, because you know when Pete and I created these checklists, my whole mindset was that you know, look, you're in Seattle, Boeing, right? I mean, I've I've been trained by Boeing for the last twenty years to fly airplanes. Yep. Everything is hinged on a checklist. We don't flip a switch in a cockpit unless we have a checklist in our hand. So mm. if somebody just walks into a cockpit of a plane, even though I've been flying for the airlines for over 20 something years, if somebody just walked in and started flipping switches, the other guys would look at them like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you don't, you don't do that. Like we don't even reset a circuit breaker until we pull out a checklist and go, okay, if we push this back in, what other systems are affected by this? Because Look, planes crash all the time because the guys don't use checklists. That's what happens. And that's even if you what what's interesting is, is even with checklists, we get comfortable and you do it by rote and you go, yep, 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 yep. And you go, wait a second. You didn't even put the gear down and you checked it off and like, oh, yeah. shit, thanks. You know, but we, we get so used to that. So in the in the, the, the checklist ideology and the mindset behind that, it, you're so right. It's so important because a lot of times we think we've done things or we think, oh yeah, I'll just do it. And, and our whole thing in the company is you don't check it off until you physically do it and you say, yes, that is done, check. And you don't go any you, further. Uh, go ahead. Have you read the checklist manifesto? Yes, yeah, yeah. It's, that's a, yeah, that's that's a, like, okay. it's a great book and a lot of that is <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of that is so true in the checklist and it's yeah. like, it's, you know, you don't have to go ahead and say like, okay, when you get to a rental property, put your car in park. Take your seatbelt off. Check. Okay, now get out of the car. Check. It's it's the, it's the things that will kill you. Like when you're flying an airplane, you know, Pete, the engineer, right? He created the checklist. It was like 19 pages. I'm like, dude, they're never going to get out of go from this. And he's like, well, it's everything you need. I'm like, it's the things that will kill you. I, I told him, I said, you know, in the airline industry, when you lose an engine on takeoff, that is the most critical time to ever have anything go wrong is when you are heavy, taken off, and you lose one of your engines. That checklist is three pages for us. I said, put that into perspective. Your checklist to move in a new owner is 19 pages. Ours, when we have an 800,000 pound airplane taken off, dumping fuel, is three pages. It's the things that will kill us. Not paying an owner will kill us. Maybe not entering the owner's last name in the software, not gonna kill us. But then you have the expanded version that go ahead and that explains, if you just say, 
onboard new owner, check. If you don't know what that means, then you go into the systems manual that we've created that actually has the full explanation of what does onboarding an owner mean. Yep. And, and so I think, you know, Grace, what, what I think you'll do over time is you may start creating a policy manual and then you refer back to the manual over time. So you may have a paper checklist. I start checklist. creating SOP, like a, as, as a manual to create other people who come on board. That's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's, that's, cool. that's amazing. So guys, believe it or not, we are almost out of time, man. You guys are amazing. And, and so real quick, uh, the way that I met these guys, amazingly, is we both have a mutual friend, Marshall Silver. Amazing, amazing guy. Uh, I haven't seen him in a while. I'm not sure if you guys have chatted with him. Um, just uh, oh, yeah. we just found his car. Oh, oh that's <laughs> right. Driving Marshall's that's right. Car. You're driving Marshall's car. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, you and know, he has been busy with the theater. He's actually he's, he's building in Carlsbad, right? He's doing a theater yeah, down right. there. Yeah, yeah he's I mean, a theater down. That's another story. But uh, guys, yeah. if if they want to get a hold of you, Tarl, they want to talk to you about anything up there. How, how do they get a hold of you guys? Uh, well, they'd be, we are very active on Facebook. Uh, we do have our website, Fixated Real Estate or FixatedRE.com. Uh, we don't really keep that too updated. Uh, but for our uh, people that want to actually get involved with us on a regular basis, we actually are currently about to launch our membership site, Fixated, F-I-X-A-T-D, on realestate.com. Uh, we will be, basically all our meetups, our education, and all the stuff that we do uh, will be streamed through there for the past, present, future uh, videos. The uh, conferences that we host, we, we put all the videos on that website as well Monthly for meetups. people to access to. Uh, our webinars and meetups will be on that as well. But as far as just interacting with us and catching up on our uh, crazy stuff, because we post videos all the time, uh, Facebook, just go to Facebook and look up Fixated, F-I-X-A-T-E-D, and put R-E at it, and you'll it will pop right up. And uh, we're very active on that. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much. If you want to find us on Facebook, you can go to the Landlord Survival Group there. Go to our website, selfmanagemyproperty.com. You got Gabe Rodarte here. Gabe, thanks for hanging out with us again from yeah, Vertical yeah. House Buyers. You can find him on Facebook. And, uh, you know, it's just great, you know, talking to you guys and having these conversations. And, you know, we all go through these trials and tribulations. And, uh, you know, I'm so proud of you, Grace, for, for stepping out of your comfort zone, getting into this. Charles, you're just a you're a master, man. I, hopefully, I'll get to come back and speak again. I don't know if I'll get if I'll get a third if I'll get a third invite. Hopefully, I will. But I love the event. It's great. The people are nice. And uh, guys, again, thank you so much for your time. Uh, and I will be talking to you guys soon. This has been the Landlord Survival Show. Join us next time for more of what the gurus don't tell you about owning rentals. And for even more, find us on Facebook. Brought to you by Empire Industries Property Management. Built for investors by investors. For more information about this show, visit our website, selfmanagemyproperty.com, home of the ultimate landlord survival handbook.